Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Our theme for this year has been biblical leadership. And for the month of December, we've been talking about the joy of leadership. So I think it's appropriate to end today's message with the title, The Joy of the Lord, coming from Nehemiah chapter 8. For those of you that do follow the instructional reading assignment, you're reading the assignment in Nehemiah chapter 7 to 10. You heard me say in my comments, this will be a transitional message from that theme of biblical leadership to our 2019 theme, the Bible, the Word of God. And being senior Sunday, the story of Nehemiah should be familiar to most us Christian singers. Certain verses from Nehemiah like, let us rise up and build. For the people had a mind to work. And I'm doing the good work so I can't come down. Those words kept many of us on the battlefield for a long time. But they've also been the subject of many pastors' appreciation and church anniversary. The book of Nehemiah continues the story of the Jewish exile recorded in the book of Ezra. A reason to celebrate. After 70 years of captivity, about 50,000 Jews led by Israel returning to the homeland of Judah with a desire to restore the wall around the city of Jerusalem. But the story also has an emphasis on the word of God. It was the word of God that profoundly changed the lives of these people in Jerusalem, both young and old. And my prayer is that it will do the same for us, each of us here today. Ezra was a priest called by God and gifted by God for the care of the spiritual lives and the affairs of the people. But he was also a scribe. A scribe is one who is an expert in the law of God. When Ezra first arrived in Jerusalem with these 50,000, along with some other people who never left, the spiritual condition was just like the walls and the gates. They were ruined and burned. So immediately, Ezra began to teach them the word of law. But soon thereafter, opposition arose. You read the book of Nehemiah, you see two names, Sambalic and Tobiah. Sambalic was a Sumerian. He was a mixed race. Same thing with Tobiah. They opposed the building of the wall. They ridiculed God's people. 
And this not only hampered the teaching of God's word, but it hampered the building project of the gates and the walls. And without the gates and the walls, the people could not defend the city and the temple, which was the center of worship, could not be rebuilt. After 13 years, 13 long years of frustration, God's people began to lose heart. They could see no progress. Then the news of their state came to Nehemiah in Jerusalem. And when he heard the news, Nehemiah was devastated. He was hurt. The Bible recounts that he prayed and he cried. But as a royal cupbearer to Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, who had taken over and defeated Babylon, Nehemiah had daily access to the king. One day when he was in the king's presence getting ready to serve wine, the king noticed that Nehemiah was sad of heart. And he questioned Nehemiah about it. You see that being sad in the king's presence was punishable by death. Nehemiah explained to him that he was sad because of the state of God's people in God's temple back in Jerusalem. And because he was a faithful servant, the king asked Nehemiah, well, what can I do for you? And Nehemiah requested that he be allowed to take leave, go back to Jerusalem and assist in the rebuilding project. And something amazing happened. Not only did Artaxerxes grant him his wish, he gave him even more. Nehemiah had requested for timber to help build the gates, but he sent soldiers with him and letters with him. And amazingly, after Nehemiah had been back in Jerusalem only 52 days. Remember, it's 13 years, but after 52 days, the walls were completed. This stunned Sambalik and Tobiah. They couldn't believe this was achieved. This was something that they just looked at. It could not be done in years, let alone 52 days. And now with Jerusalem secure from the outside attack, the restoration of the temple could begin. This, along with Ezra's previous teaching, motivated the people to want to know more about this God that had granted them favor and success. Can we stop right there and just talk? Isn't it amazing how many people will call God, even those that don't have a relationship with them, in time of need? And when God blessed them, they forget all about it. See, when we view God as a 911 source. Instead of a 411 source. 
that's what happened. We, we, we forget God, but, but these people, because they looked at that wall that had been done in 52 days, they knew it was God. I got to know more about this God. So they, they made a special request. And that's why our text take over. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square. That was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. Which the Lord had commanded Israel. I want you to do something with me. I want you to make a connection between the people's action to that of membership of a local healthy church. A local healthy church. When we look at verse 1, there are three things. Number one, the people assemble on one accord. They have different agendas. They wasn't fussing. The Bible said they all did it as one man. Number two, the people were in one place at the same time. Some didn't come in at 8.30 and others came in at 10. Some come in at 10.15, even 11.30. They all came to one place in the open square for the water gate. Now, they had several gates, 12 gates around the city, and each gate had a function. One gate was the dawn gate. For those that know what dong means, I shouldn't have to tell you what that gate was for. But this was the water gate. Everybody needed water. They had to go outside and get the water. So this was the biggest gate. The open square was the biggest place, and more of the people could come. So they all came to one place, like 258 Straight Street. Number three, the people came for one purpose. To hear the word of God. They didn't come to see what people were wearing. They didn't come simply because it was their time to sing. They came because they wanted to hear the word of God. After all, God had done something for them. I want to know more about this God. Verse 2. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Now the seventh month is not like our month. This was the first day of the year. This is the Jewish New Year, so it was just like it's going to be Tuesday. When they assemble. Everyone who could comprehend, young, old, not just men, which was unusual because usually in Jewish culture, only the men were being taught, but the women as well as young children that could understand. And we got some young kids today, and I'm looking at most of them. Most of them got their head down playing with something. That's fine. That's fine. We, un we understand that. But they can't understand. Watch this. Hey! Oh, that's why all of them looked up except one. <laughs> they can understand. If they can understand, then they were in this assembly. 
Verse 3. Then he read it in the open square in front of the water gate from morning to midday. Before the men and the women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attended to the book of the law. I need to break this down. From morning, six o'clock in Jewish time, to midday, 12 o'clock. Some people want to make it shorter than that, so it was somewhere between four and six hours. Ezra read from Genesis to Deuteronomy. The, the Torah. The first five books in the Bible. Now it would probably take me two hours to read Deuteronomy alone. And notice where it says the people were attentive. They were eager to hear so time was not an issue for it. <laughs> they weren't worried about going home. I mean, I know the Falcon played at one o'clock. They see them over anyway. <laughs> but I know some of y'all Alabama fans was late tonight because y'all stayed and watched that game last night. As if God haven't given you a DRV to record stuff. See, you'll make any excuse for not being here on time that you want to make. That's on you. If the Alabama had lost, y'all probably didn't show up. Now, the words or the phrase were attentive is not in the original Hebrew text. If you notice it, some of your Bibles in italics, that means it's not in the original text. But the point is very strongly implied. The people played close attention. Can I give you an example? If you knew you had to pass a test in an academic environment, and you went to hear the teacher, and she told you, this is going to be on the test. Would not you get a pencil and a piece of paper and write down what it said? I see all my educators out there. I did that at Mercer. I can't understand. When I was teaching at Mercer, I did that. I told them, this is going to be on the test, and they still missed the question. Know why? They weren't attendants. They didn't take notes. These people were attentive. They took notes. They wanted to learn what the word of God said. It's kind of like what God told Joshua in the book. He said, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to be preaching from this one day. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And this is what these people were doing. And it's going to become clear to you in a bit why these people were, 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 were so intended to listen to the word of God. Something else I want you to know, because we're not going to cover everything. 
that uh, there were two groups of 13 men who were Levi that's listed, who was also involved in this. The first group recorded in verse 4, and the second group recorded in verse 7. We're going to look at what, what was going on. But, but in between verse 4 and verse 7, there's an important aspect of what the healthy church, notice I said healthy church, not full church, but healthy church should be. Y'all read? Chapter 8, verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all and when he opened it. Now, one of the verses is going to talk about this word pulpit. Something says a platform. But the only purpose for this or me standing above you is not because I'm above so you can see me and you can hear me. They didn't have a microphone system. It says, all the people stood up when he opened it. Verse 6, and there's a blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen. While lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and worshiped the Lord with their face to the ground. Whew. Help me, Jesus. I want you to notice the order of service. And again, this is thing that should take place in the healthy church. Number one. The word of God took priority. He opened the book. It's implied there was a willingness to hear what's being said and obey what's being said. Number two. The word of God was reverence. When, they, when he opened the book, everybody stood up. This means they had a readiness to believe. Number three, he blessed the Lord. The Hebrew word here is Barak. Boy, we used to have a whole bunch about ten years ago. Everybody was talking about Barak the Lord. Don't really know what it means, but we were saying it's an act of adoration for the word of God. Number four, the people were responsive to the word. They said, Amen. Amen. In other words, I'm agreeing that God is great, because that's what he said. And number four, five rather, the people displayed three acts of worship. Yahweh? One, they lift up the hand. That shows a sense of need. Number two, they bow their head. That shows a sense of humility. And number three, they had a prostrated posture. A sense of submission. As I was looking at it this morning, God showed me something. Isn't it amazing that we go to the doctor's office and he tells us to roll up our sleeve so that he can stick a needle in there and take some blood. What do we do? Isn't it amazing that when the doctor tells us to open our mouth, stick our tongue and say, ah, that we don't say nothing. We're not worried about whether it's a female doctor or a male doctor, we'll stick our tongue and say, ah. 
Why is it that when we come to church and somebody says stand up that we start to fuss it? Why is it we say that you can't tell me what to do? So we give more reverence to a doctor than we do to the word of God? No, nobody needs to prompt and prime you. But somebody asks you, give the Lord a hand clap or pray, your hand or automatic start doing this. Because that's exactly what you do for your doctor. Let that sink in. Verse 8. Tell you what. Everybody give God praise right now. Give God praise. Just say it where I say it, how many of y'all would have stood up? It's okay if somebody asks you to give God an adoration of praise. You should be, well, move on, Dave, because they need to understand why these people were so willing to do these three acts of worship. I mean, after all, if I ask you to lift your hand, and you think that I'm trying to make you do something you don't want to do, I'm sure that when that doctor asks you to roll your sleeve, you don't want to do it because you don't, you like me, you don't like pain. But you do it. Because it's beneficial for your health. Now when you give God praise, it's beneficial for your spiritual health. And nobody should ever have to tell you. See, because it don't bother me. But it bothers some of my ministers when they sit up here and they're trying to preach the gospel and y'all acting like Fred just said, I wish you sit down so I can go home. I get because I've been doing longer than they have. It don't bother me at all. But it does stress them out. So the next time they stand up here, oh, goodness. I know y'all do it. Don't look at the vessel. Look at the word. Verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave sense and helped them to understand the reading. Two key phrases in this verse. They read distinctly and gave sense. Keep in mind the history. Seventy years earlier, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians had come and devastated Jerusalem, taking people back. Seventy years, most of the people are now aged or dead. A new generation is being born in Babylon. And Aramaic has now replaced Hebrew as the primary language of the Jews. So it was necessary to explain some of these Hebrew terms to the people, and the only way that could be done, the only way they could fully comprehend and understand what was being said, somebody had to translate this 
from Hebrew to Aramaic so they could understand it. This is known today as expository preaching. Now, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people be satisfied if I got up here and hooped and did all that. And I could do it, yeah. But that ain't what God's called me to do. What you get an understanding is the issue. That, that, that doing that distinctly so I can break it down so you can understand it is what I'm called to do. The understanding of God's word affected the people in very emotional way. This is why they needed them 26 men to do it. Because as Ezra was reading, they were explaining. If he said something like Haggai, somebody said that just simply means holy. Have y'all seen the commercial? I think it's a Rocket Morgan commercial. Well, these people are, are getting confused, and this one individual go over there and explains everything to them. This one couple is trying to buy a house, and they come on there, so there's three on the tables, one is VHA and all that, and they look confused. He said, it doesn't mean a lot of people want to buy the house. That's what expository preaching is, to explain things that you don't understand. Yeah, I know you put your pants on the same way I do, but God has gifted me. To do some things that you don't have. Just like he's gifted you with some things that I don't have. That's why I need you. But after Ezra and Nehemiah have read these five books for six hours, the people began to understand the requirements of God and it affected them in a very emotional way. I know y'all like singing. I love singing too. I love to sing. But sometimes the word of God will make you stand up just like that singing does. Sometimes the word of God will bring tears to your eyes just like singing does. Sometimes the word of God will make you want to dance just like singing does. The word of God caused conviction. And these people were willing to surrender and submit. Verse 9 in Nehemiah who was the governor. I think King James says he was the Tishata. See, that's a word right there. If I read from King James, Tishata, you, you left out here not knowing. But because the modern translator translated as governor, you understand. Ezra, the priest and the scribe and the Levite, who taught the people saying, this day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people, when they heard the words of the law, wept. People were sensitive to the will of God because they were sensitive to the word of God. They were now ready to obey the word of God. People's tears showed that the message was taken serious. 
What they heard touched their heart and they wept as they heard the law. They now understood the requirements and were very remorseful over their past disobedience and law and felt guilty over their sin. That's the danger. And you're hearing love and prosperity messages all the time. Ain't nothing wrong with talking about God will bless you because he will and God does love you. But sometimes you need to know that God ain't satisfied with what you are doing. Verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat. We live in a society where fat right now is something that we want to avoid. Rightly so in some areas for health reasons. But in that day, fat was the prime. They would eat the fat and throw away the lean. And even today, if you go to Japan and you see one of them rich Japanese by a state, he wants that fat. That's a part of their culture. Now for me, my wife had to hold me back because I'll eat a pigtail if they cook it in them greens. I told Will, but... And it's, when it talks about sweet, they talk about wine. The Bible tells us that wine makes the heart merry. And the sweeter the wine, the more merry you get. So he said, eat the fat, drink the wine, and send portions to those who, more, who nothing is prepared for. We're going to get ahead to the joy, but do things that you should do to celebrate and let other people who don't have nothing to celebrate with, celebrate with you. Give them something. Why? For this day, day that you don't found out what the Lord wants, is holy. It's unique. It's distinct. Just like Sunday. It's a special day. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah, the people right were taking the word of God serious, but they did not need to be overwhelmed with grief. It was not a time for weeping, it was a time for rejoicing. Holiness and joy goes together. But I want you to notice something in verse 11. It did not say the joy of us. It said the joy of the Lord. This means that wherever God takes joy in, that will be our strength. What does God take joy in? Look at verse 12. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portion. And rejoicing greatly. Why? Because they understood the words that were declared to them. My brothers and sisters, when we understand the word of God, that he's our shepherd, then we don't need to fear when we walk through the valley of shadow death. 
When we understand the word of God, that he's our healer, then we don't need to be concerned when we get afflicted. When we understand the word of God, that he's our provider, we don't need to worry because there's always a ram in the bush. When we understand the word of God is able to do exceedingly and abundant above that which we ask or think, we don't need to get stressed out by minor stuff. When we understand the word of God, that he's our creator and sustainer in the universe, we will not panic about what's going on in government. When we understand that the word of God tells us that the veil has been torn, and now we have access to God, we won't get upset when things go wrong. When we understand that the word of God, that the Son of God came in human flesh, died in life, died in death for me, then we won't get upset about the sin that we commit. This is the joy of the Lord when we understand that he loves us more than we can love ourselves. Paul had something going on with him. Maybe physical, maybe emotional. But he prayed to the Lord to take it away and God didn't do it. He simply told him that his grace was sufficient. I believe the apostle walked on because that gave him joy. If God's grace is sufficient, then nothing, nothing can separate me from his love. Amen. What would give God joy is this last Sunday of 2018 that somebody here who don't know him as their Savior, young or old, will make a commitment to faith today. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.